read Mexican Fisherman earlier. That's the advice Andy wishing you. Today is a nice kind of dual threat going tracker software platform launched in 2007, now doing north of 15 grand a month in revenue, basically running itself. It does less revenue though than his agency, uh, which obviously consults on reputation management and online reputation management, which is doing well. He does consulting gigs there, uses his books to drive those sales. Andy, thank you so much for taking us to the top. And guys, if you want to learn more from Andy, go check out It's his latest book, 30 Days to a Better Online Reputation. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Andy Beal. He's the original online reputation expert. Today, he's the CEO of Reputation Refinery and Tracker. Beal is an online reputation management consultant, award-winning blogger, professional speaker, and uh, co-author of the critically acclaimed book, Radically Transparent. All right, Andy, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. All right, good. Now, you've also worked on a recent book called Rept, 30 Days to a Better Online Reputation as an Amazon bestseller. Many people would say, if this guy's company is so successful, he wouldn't waste time writing books. Why do you do both? I've always liked writing. I like teaching. So I kind of like the work that I do to learn about the industry that I'm in. And then the writing the books is kind of like uh, scratches that itch of teaching. Uh, so I, I don't, I, I don't have the chops to be an actual teacher. So writing is kind of the next best thing for me. So tell me more about reputation refinery. Uh, what's the business model? Uh, the business model for that was actually out of necessity. I've been in the reputation management space for quite a, a while and I started having uh, a lot more people contact me asking for reputation management services. You know, they needed to repair their reputation or they needed advice on how to build a good brand. And it got to the point where I just couldn't stop saying no. So a few years ago, launched Reputation Refinery just to take on a few select, uh, you know, literally a handful of clients uh, at a time that I feel I can genuinely help. So that's the the, the the reason for a Reputation Refinery. And these that is a, is it an agency or is it a software platform? That's an agency. So Reputation Refinery is actually providing uh, consultancy services to brands. Tracker is a software platform, and that was that's over 10 years old now, and that's actually a social media reputation monitoring dashboard. Okay. Which one makes you more money? Believe it or not, Reputation Refinery probably has the better profit margins, whereas Tracker, because it's a SaaS product, it runs on its own. So uh, I guess Tracker in a way, because I can kind of go off for the day and Tracker still does its thing. Reputation Refinery kind of relies on uh, my time and my team's time. So, yeah, so how does, it's, it's how, I've time. never heard an agency have higher profit margins than a SaaS product. Uh, well, okay, maybe not higher profit margins. Maybe I worded that wrong. Maybe just higher profits. <laughs> well, even because, profits, because software doesn't have human costs typically, whereas agencies, you're basically billing human time, which has higher costs. 
Yeah, but reputation management is one of probably one of the most in-demand services that are out there because a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot that come to us have really serious issues. Like you type their name into Google and they have you know negative things on the first page, and it would have been cheaper for them to focus on building a good reputation from the outset, but they haven't, and so it's kind of like. Uh, you no, know, Andy, I get, just to be clear, I get that. I, I completely yeah. get what you're saying. It's a huge space. But software companies typically have gross margins of 85%. Agencies rarely have margins greater than 50%. So mm-hmm. I'm curious how you're getting a higher margin on your agency model than you are your SaaS company. That seems backwards to me. But it's, you know, I don't have uh, a lot of employees. I do a lot of the work myself because I only work on like four or five clients at a time. So uh, that's kind of the way it works. Whereas, uh, you know, the software... Um, you know, it's probably got a higher profit margin, but the profits from the agency side is actually higher. Okay. Yeah. Just to be clear, you, you make more money. There is more revenue in the agency on a percentage basis, which is what gross profit and EBITDA margin, these margin numbers are. The software thing is more productive. It's it makes you more money with less cost. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. We, we're, we're clear now we're on the same page. So, so let me ask you a question. Why why not go all in on building the uh, more efficient software business that can help more people at scale versus keep you know continuing to do the agency stuff? Uh, it doesn't interest me. It's um, when I built the software, it was out of ne- it was again out of necessity. So there was no affordable product out there that could offer social media monitoring that was easy to use and affordable. Uh, everything was costing ten thousand dollars a month, and I wasn't going to pay ten thousand dollars a month. So I decided to build something, um, and I realized. Well, I, I assumed that you would build software and it would all just run and it would be easy to scale. But software, you know, you get a lot of bugs. You have to, um, you know, there's a lot of, even though it's a self-service software, there's a lot of customer contact points. Um, and it's just an ongoing thing. So the actual scaling it up, scaling up any business doesn't appeal to me. I'm kind of more of a, you know, I'm more of the Mexican fisherman. I just want to kind of do enough so that I can, you know, make a living, do the things that I enjoy doing. So I usually have three or four projects running at any one time. And those keep me busy. They diversify my interests because I, like I said, I enjoy writing. I enjoy consulting. I enjoy a little bit of the software, but I don't want to take, I don't want to get investment I don't want to have a lot of employees. I don't want all the headaches that come from it. Yeah, it makes sense. Let's spend real quick about a minute on Tracker, then spend the rest of the time on your other stuff because it sounds like you're more interested in that anyway. On Tracker, uh, it sounds like people pay you per month. It's a software product. What do people pay on average per month? Mm, well, it, it varies from $97 to $447. I would say most people come on board at the $97 a month plan, but we have agencies that go with a higher plan because it's white-labeled. Um, and then we have APIs as well that we sell, which are a little bit priced a little bit different. Okay, so but, but if you just take your total customers about about your revenue, is it a fair average about a hundred bucks a month? Uh probably about one hundred and fifty bucks a month. One hundred and fifty bucks. Okay, fair enough. And that when did you launch that company? The tracker. Two thousand seven. Two thousand. Okay, so it's been around a while. It's been around a while. It has some. It's and what have you scaled it to in terms of total customers? We have about seventy thousand uh, registered users. Okay. Um, so yeah, and, and you know, most of the majority of those are using our free product. We have hun- you know in the hundred range, hundreds range that are actually paying. Yeah. So I mean, even if you just have a minimum of a hundred, right, times one hundred and fifty bucks, one hundred fifty dollars ARPU, that's like a healthy business doing about what fifteen grand a month top line. We do pretty good. Yeah, we don't discuss number uh, numbers publicly, but it does pretty good. I mean, it's uh, you know we have low low. Uh, 
uh, costs because it, it pretty much runs itself at this point. So I only have one or two developers that are kind of working on it. Um, and right now it's so low maintenance. We're working on a you know some new APIs. So mm-hmm. why don't so, so how, what, how many te- members of your team are focused exclusively on Tracker? Uh, I've got one guy right now. Okay, well, so, so like, let me ask you an interesting question here, right? This reminds me of Brand Yourself. Uh, you know, we had him on recently as well. He was very much like where you were, running an agency plus software. He decided to go all in software and now just very little agency. I mean, why not take what you've built here, which is a healthy software company with historical SEO value, hundreds of customers, north of 15 grand a month in revenue, why not sell it to somebody that will scale it and then make an agreement that anyone that comes into their ecosystem, they have to introduce to your agency as well? Yeah. I mean, if that if that strategic relationship was to materialize, then I'd be open to that. We've had similar discussions in the past. Uh, we came close on one deal that kind of just didn't quite kind of work out. Why did it fail? Uh, he couldn't raise the funds. So, Got it. Got it, got it, got it. How do you value a company like Tracker? In terms of what? The, the actual cost or what's... How, well, yeah, so look, look, I mean, uh, this is, I think, an interesting opportunity for you. This uh, this podcast audience really serves M&A yeah. people. It's M&A, I mean, we, we've had companies come on and the day after they're selling. I mean, for $20, $30 million, or they're raising a bunch of venture capital. When you think about how you value Tracker, if someone wanted to make you an offer for it, what numbers start to be interesting for you? Uh, really, once you get to seven figures, I mean, even, uh, you know, low seven figures is probably the interesting, you know, point for us to kind of make it worthwhile. I've sold companies for $30,000 that I've built for $2,000. And then I've sold some for, you know, six figures and uh, I've not sold anything for seven million, uh, you know, seven figures, but I have been involved in teams that have. Um, again, it's, you know, maybe I'm a little bit different than, you know, I know some of your guests that you come on that have that you have come on because I'm not I, I, earlier in my career. I chased the big exit. Right. So I chased the, you know, the, 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 you know, being sold and, the, you know, all the stock options and all that kind of stuff. And it really wasn't satisfying. So now I kind of spend a lot more time chasing the lifestyle that I, that I want to live. In fact, in my net and another book that I would write would be the lifestyle entrepreneur, because I think that there's a, a lot of us, a lot like me, that really want to have just enough to kind of, uh, you know, to subsidize and pay for, you know, traveling and hobbies. And, you know, I, I play a lot of tennis. I see that you we should had a play. background with tennis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, where are you based? My butt. I'm in Raleigh. So we got some good tennis courts here. We'll we have play. indoor courts too. Oh, yeah. Listen, I have a lot of friends in the research triangle. I'll get two of my tennis buddies to come out. We'll play doubles um, and warm ups. I'll decide if I want you on my team or if I want to play against you. How about that? <laughs> That's generally what everybody else does too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, um, so real quick, wrapping out this before we go more on the agency. I mean, if you're doing 15 grand minimum a month, that's 180 grand a year, you can pretty easily sell a company. I don't know what your churn and all that is, but pretty easily sell that for a quarter of a million, right? And yeah. then it's not a distraction. And by the way, whoever buys it will go all in and scale it and basically grow the exposure of that, which then feeds off to you and your agency, which it sounds like you enjoy, but you wouldn't sell for a quarter of a million. You want seven figures, which is backwards to the advice you just game, which is you're not looking at chasing the big exit anymore. Um, yeah, but there's more, you know, there's just a number of factors to it, right? So I don't, I, you know, it's like, if it's, if it's working, if it's just, if it's generating income, um, and your numbers are a little bit off, we're, we're, we're talking about just, you know, generalization with your numbers, but you know, if am it's I, am I high or low, it's, uh, you're a little bit low. So okay, got it. if it's generating income, then, 
I'm not, I have no motivation to sell it. It's just there, right? So I can hold out for whatever, you know, the price that I feel is more than just what shows on the, the, the you know, the, the P&Ls, right? So it's more than just the numbers. It's the, what's been put into it. it. SEO you've talked about, it's the brand. We've been around for over 10 years. So it's a very recognized brand, very strong, uh, lots of um, uh, references from mainstream media, you know, been a lot of TV shows and, um, you know, quoted in the media, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of uh, intangibles there that for me just, and also just the fact that it's like, hey, I don't need to sell it. It's like, you know, again, I'm not chasing an exit. I'm, nothing that I do chases an exit. It's just all about what interests me. And I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the the parts of Tracker. There's some stuff that I don't enjoy, but yeah. yeah. So, so, you know what, you know, so it's like, if I was building it because I wanted to sell it and then move on to the next project, I've done that. And I've done that. At but by the way, nobody projects. does that. Nobody, when they, on day one of the company says, I'm building this to sell it tomorrow. Nobody does that. It's all yeah, some kind do. of, no, there, there is nobody on day one that goes, I am only doing this, even though I hate it. It's no fun. I hate the industry. I'm building this to sell it. Yeah, there are. Who? You've not interviewed them that clearly, but I mean, there are. The people that you interview on your show, the people that, are, you're absolutely right. The, pe- the people that you interview, they're the ones that like, hey, uh, we were in this from that. This is my blood, sweat, tears. But there are a lot of people out there that like see an opportunity, see that they've got, they see that there's a, 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 an op- a market there. They have the resources and they build it and say, okay, this is something I could pr- probably build and then sell. Now, yeah, they can't but at sell the it for end, of dollars. at the end though, they never, my point is they, they might go in as an opportunist to say, well, I can build revenue here and I can pay myself a lot of money and make a lot. They never go in saying, I'm going to sell this. Now, sales offers comes along and eventually they take the deal when it makes sense. But no, I, I have never met any entrepreneur that goes in saying, I'm only building this to sell. That is my only goal with this. I have. Interesting. I, I would I would love to chat with him. I, I've, I've never <laughs> seen that be the case. Most people, they see an opportunity. They want to make money. They want to grow revenue. They want to get rich that way. A good sales offer comes along and they take it. I'm I'm not I'm not saying you've you've not met those people, but I'm saying I have met those people. So I mean, they do exist. I just uh, I think that they probably don't get to the scale of success that warrants coming on your show. So you probably just don't get to chat with them. Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, let's shift over to your other stuff you're working on books. You've written a lot of books. We have a lot of people that might be software CEOs that are thinking about writing a book to get more market share, right? More thought leadership. Tell mm-hmm. me about your books. Are they self-published or did you work with a publisher? First one was a publisher, Wiley. Okay. Um, second one, I self-published. The, the things have changed since the first book. First book was 2007. If you self-published, it was all vanity press it was basically saying that you had failed as an author and the only way you could get your book out was to, to publish it yourself or it was some kind of like thing that should have just been an ebook. But these days, I would say definitely go the self-publishing route because, you know, the services are out there. I used Amazon. Um, you can basically hire your own editors, hire your own graphic designers for the cover and you can write it. Now, if you go that route, don't expect it necessarily to be a, you know, a, on the bestsellers list unless you're willing to pay a firm to kind of inflate the numbers. Um, well, but oh, you, you can't just be a, a real bestseller. You have to pay to inflate everything. Well, a lot of people do. There's a there's a system to it. Let's put it this way: if you want to be on the bestsellers list, unless you are very well known and you're working with a you know publisher that's pulling out all the stops, then you've got to get the right sales at the right time at the right channels in order to get on the bestsellers list. And uh, that that takes money. And if you want to make that investment, fine. But uh, otherwise, for me, like as you kind of indicated. It's a great lead generator. It positions me. It just cements my position as a thought leader in the space. I enjoy writing now and then. Um, so it kind of helps me to kind of get stuff down on paper. 
Did and, Wiley uh, not? So, I mean, listen, what I'm hearing is obviously publishing is changing. You work with Wiley on the first one. You didn't on the second. So you didn't enjoy working with them or it didn't work out. They didn't bring, they didn't help you with distribution. The advance wasn't big right. enough, whatever. You didn't enjoy it. So, so, I mean, the re, I mean, did, many people would say, I want to work with a publisher because they're going to help me sell more books. You're saying, no, that's not the case. Uh, for the average author, uh, yeah, that's not the case. Uh, and I think that's a big uh, misnomer that the, you, you know, the publisher is going to pull out all the stops to help you sell the books. Yeah, they get you into the, the bookstores. Yeah, they get you in the dis- different distribution channels. But w- it, unless you're a you know, politician or a movie star, something like that, big name, they are relying on you to use your network to get the book sold. Um, so that, that they, you know, that Wiley was great to work with. Uh, loved working with all the editors, loved the resources they provided, but the actual promotion was down to me. So in order to get these these big publishers interested in you, some people will say, well, if you get if you can get them to commit to a big advance, they have more on the line, they're more likely to go to go to work for you. So based off what you know about advances, what size of an advance do you think an author needs to get to really understand that as a signal from the publisher that, hey, we will help you market the book? It's a good question. It's probably not an advance that I would ever see. So I mean, are we talking I like a hundred grand, ten grand, a million? Yeah, probably maybe closer to the hundred grand. I would say that's probably a significant input. Um, anything less than that, and they're probably more likely to rely on you to to, yep. to do the publication. Yeah, it's an easy. It's a decimal error write off for them if it doesn't work. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay. Cool. So books are doing uh, how many? So the Wiley book. How many copies have sold? And when? What year was launch year? 2007. I don't know. In the, in the low thousands, I don't, it wasn't like a, a bestseller. Okay. And the same with ripped. Okay. And, and how are you, how are, I mean, is this a basically glorified business card for you? Is that what makes you sit down and take the time to write it? It's a good question. Uh, yes and no. I think that for me, yeah, it's probably generated more in consultancy contracts than it has in book sales. So yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, here's who I am. Here's what I'm known for. Business card, maybe not quite that, but yeah, along those lines. All right, Andy, let's wrap up here with the famous five. The first one, what's the last business book that you read? Uh, The last business book that I read was probably uh, The Lean Startup. Um, Now I was expecting you to ask my favorite business book. So I've got that answer. So which is- What's your favorite? uh, Tim Sanders, which is Love is the Killer app. If you've not read that book, it's a fantastic book. It's all about basically being a love cat and sharing everything you have with others in order to kind of, uh, it's almost like calmer for business, if you like. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? (laughs) Always following Richard Branson. He's been a hero of mine since I was young. Um, Scott uh, Scott Wingo, uh, CEO of uh, Spiffy right now, but also previously Channel Advisor. He's a local guy, really good, good guy. Um, and been a good mentor to me, and he's a good guy, to fo- I think, for anybody to follow. Maybe not on a lot of people's radar, but a good guy, Scott Wingo. Yeah, and that was back, if you guys want to hear Scott's episode, that was back on episode 910 we had him on. Great guy, really, really smart. Uh, number three, uh, Andy, what is your favorite online tool for building your business? So uh, excluding all the social media tools, because I think that's a little bit cliche to throw those in, um, I really like uh, Zendesk which is a really good customer relationship tool. I like Cashew for um, the accounting and, and um, you know, just sending invoices and things like that. I think those are two affordable tools that a lot of people could uh, benefit from using. And number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? A lot. I sleep pretty good. So like I said, I'm the next. Uh, about eight or nine, depends. Okay. I, don't go to, I don't go to bed too late. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Uh, just married. And my wife and I, we like to travel. We uh, play a lot of tennis together. So uh, Good. It's, it's, 
And how old are you? I am f- almost 44. 40, I'm holding on. Almost for, holding on to 43. Last question, Annie. Take us back to your 20-year-old self. What do you wish you knew? I've already kind of hinted to it, and I definitely would have told my 20-year-old self to read uh, the story of the Mexican fisherman. And if, you're, if your listeners are not familiar with that, then just go Google it. It'll be easy to find. But basically, uh, you know, when, I'm young, when I was young, I was chasing after that exit, chasing after those stock options, and uh, it really didn't bring me the happiness that now where I've got lots of different things that interest me. Uh, I'm not chasing after the dollar. I'm chasing after almost a, a, a semi-retirement kind of plan. Read Mexican Fisherman earlier. That's the advice Andy wishing you. Today is a nice kind of dual threat going. Tracker software platform launched in 2007, now doing north of 15 grand a month in revenue, basically running itself. It does less revenue though than his agency, uh, which obviously consults on reputation management and online reputation management, which is doing well. He does consulting gigs there, uses his books to drive those sales. Andy, thank you so much for taking us to the top. And guys, if you want to learn more from Andy, go check out It's his latest book, 30 Days to a Better Online Reputation. Andy, thanks so much for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it.